And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So good. My name's Abigail. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my husband and I co-pastor here at Hope Culture Church, and we are excited to continue in our relationship series today. If you were here last Sunday, uh, Pastor Dan talked about how selfishness can hinder your relationship. It can hurt your relationship. It's one of the number one enemies of our relationship, and it was an amazing message. And I'm going to continue on in that series today. Why do we talk about relationships in church? Because relationships are a huge, huge part of our lives. Um, if you're in a relationship or if you're, in, if you're not in a relationship or you're on the other side of a relationship, it can just be a huge pain point um, if we're not healthy. And so we think it's so important to talk about relationships in church. Uh, God has a whole lot to say about relationships, and um, we're excited to open up the Word of God and see what He has to say um, because we want you to thrive in your relationship. Whether it's current, future, we want you to absolutely thrive in what God has for you. So if you're in the room and you're single, or you're happily married, or you're unhappily married, or you're dating, or you want to be dating, this is for you. And I'm just believing full of faith today that God is going to minister to his people, that he's going to shed some hope into areas that we might feel hopeless, because that's what we're all about as a church. We just believe that there's hope for every situation. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, I could really use some hope for my marriage or hope for my future, uh, God's going to do that today, I believe. And um, I'm really excited about that. So I'm going to actually pray one more time that he would do that today. So will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we're here for you, God. We thank you that you are the hope of the world and that you are the hope for our relationships, God. That when you interrupt, when you intervene, when you shed light, when you speak, we are thankful, God, that you bring hope. And so I pray today that we would be ministered to, that our relationships would be strengthened, Lord God, and that you'd speak something that only you can speak to each and every every individual in this room or those listening later. God, we love you and we're here for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, we're going to have some fun today. I'm going to talk to you about this idea of becoming the one. Becoming the one. I think we live in a world where there's an intrinsic pull to kind of finding that one person, like that one soulmate or that specific person that is going to fulfill our greatest dreams. Uh, I think we are, have been affected by Disney and uh, culture and what we see on even reality TV. Like we are obsessed with love as a culture, like Bachelor, Bachelorette, still going strong. Uh, there's a Love is Blind series that's been super popular. Why? Because we're obsessed obsessed with love as a culture. There's an intrinsic pull on us to find that person. Uh, we want that happily ever after, right, for ourselves. Um, and the reality is, once you find that person, you wake up with next to them and they have bad breath, they have bad habits, and they don't know how to load the dishwasher. Like reality sets in and it's not always the happy ever after. There's um, challenges and things that come with being in a relationship. That's real marriage. That's real relationship. And so I think Disney has not always helped us. We have been taught that marriage doesn't take work or that it shouldn't take work. And if it does, maybe you're doing something wrong. Uh, we we want to blame um, our spouse or our the person we're in a relationship with for the problems that arrive. We've been taught a lot of different ways through movie culture and even love songs have not always helped us. 
Um, I was doing a little research for this message, looking at some popular love songs. Here's one by Bruno Mars. This is what he says. He says, I'd catch a grenade for you. Throw my hand on a blade for you. I'd jump in front of a train for you. You know I'd do anything for you. I would go through all of this pain, take a bullet straight through my brain. What would that help? What? (laughs) Then it's over. I would die for you, baby, but you won't do the same. Oh, he's got some unmet expectations. His expectations are high. He wants her to meet that. He wants her to do all of that for him, but you won't do the same, baby. What? You won't do the same. That's messed up right there. That's not what love should look like. Jesus came to die for you. You don't need to die for your spouse. He has unmet expectations. You know, we could go through so many songs in pop culture that have it all wrong. Um, But I'm excited today that in our current culture, we have a prophetess who has arisen. Taylor Swift has got it right. She's finally taking some ownership in the relationship. She says, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Come on, that's the best relationship advice you're gonna get today. It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. If we could just have some Taylor Swift mentality, I believe it will help us in our relationships. Um, And really this idea of becoming the one starts with you. If you realize that um, the relationship and the health of your relationship starts with you, that you're the only person who has control over you. You can't control your spouse or the person that you're going to be in a relationship with, it starts with you. It's me, hi. Um, so I'm going to talk about this idea of becoming the one. And here's what I want you to write down. This is going to be a note-taking message. So if you have your notebook, awesome. Grab out the notes app on your phone. Here's what I want you to write down. Don't focus on finding the one. Focus on becoming the one. It starts with me. Becoming the one starts with you. And if we want our relationships to get better, we need to realize that it starts here first with me. And so for those who are single in the room, here's the deal. You typically don't attract what you want. You attract who you already are. That's just the reality. We can project what we want, but the reality is is that you attract who you already are. Are you actually the person that you're looking for is looking for? Are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? You're looking for a God-honoring man or a God-honoring woman. Well, is that person looking for somebody like you? We want this healthy relationship. Well, the relationship can only be as healthy as the individuals in it. That's the cap. How healthy are you? That's the cap. And so becoming the one, focus on being the healthiest version of yourself. And if you're married already, you're married to the one, okay? Like... You said before God in covenant that he's the one, so there's no changing that. You are married to the one, but I want to encourage you to become the one and keep getting better because as you get better, the relationship gets better. As you get better, the marriage gets better. As you get healthier, the marriage will get healthier. It starts with you. And even if you've been married for years, decades, and you've been focused on, well, if my husband or my wife would just change this area, then our marriage would get better. But I want to encourage you, start with you. It starts with you. If you want to have a healthier relationship or marriage, it starts with you. And so I'm going to show you where we find this in the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. Genesis today. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up. Turn with me to Genesis 2. And here we find Adam. And he was the one before he found the one. Okay, Genesis 2 verse 15 says, 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. So everybody say work it. Work it and take care of it. Ladies, here's your first tip right here. Work it. If he doesn't have a J-O-B, you say B-Y-E. Bye. You need somebody with a job. And here's Adam. He's working it in the garden. He already has a job. Like, has he ever paid a bill before in his life? That's the question, ladies. We need a job. Some of you are like, no, the enemy is the job. The job is part of the fall. No, no, we see here, nothing has happened yet. He's working before the fall, before sin entered into the equation. A job is a good thing. And um, we see Adam here is working it. He's taking care of it. And he has a job. It's not actually until later that God even brings him a helpmate. We see that in verse 18. It says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. That's later. And so Adam has this purpose before he's found his person. Adam has this whole world where he had a reason to live, a reason to exist that God created him for before he found his person. And so I'm going to give you four points today out of uh, this text in Genesis, Genesis 2. The first one that I want you to write down is, number one, before I find my person, I need to find my purpose. Before I find my person, I need to find my purpose. Like we live in a world where there's this huge emphasis on finding the person, right? I'm going to challenge you. Listen, don't even worry about the person until you can figure out your purpose because you'll get it all wrong and it will save you so much heartache. Focus on your purpose before you find a person. And so I believe that each and every one of you in this room, every single person who listens to this online is created on purpose for a purpose. I believe that because in Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's created good things for you to do and he's planned it in advance and you are made on purpose and for a purpose. There's no accident here. And so I'd encourage you, find your purpose before you find your person. Too many people are focused on finding the person and they make actually finding the person their purpose in life. Like that's the reason I'm living. I'm, I need to find, there's this gap. I need to find my person. And so that must be my purpose, right? And so then what you find is that the person is searching for this person and made that their purpose. And let's say they find this person and they fall in love and they get married, okay? But the problem is, is that eventually they're gonna wake up in one day and realize that they've missed their purpose and you've given up everything that's for this person, Right? And what does that leave you with? Resentment. It leaves you with resentment because you you sacrificed it all to find the person that would give you your purpose and you figure out, oh, they're not giving me my purpose. My purpose isn't found in this person. And so now I'm left with resentment. And resentment comes quickly. And you say, I gave everything up for you. But listen, it won't fulfill you. If you make finding the person your purpose, you will be left unfulfilled. You need a purpose that is bigger than your person and bigger than yourself. So what do we do about this? Well, let me tell you the one way that I believe it should work. I believe every person, their ultimate purpose is to glorify God. It's to glorify God. If we're like, can we just funnel all down into one thing? If our purpose is one thing, it's to glorify God. What does glorify God mean? That's a churchy word, right? It means to serve him, to love him, to adore him, 
to live your life for him. And I believe that this will help you. If you know that your life is all about serving God, loving God, glorifying him, and you're on that path, then if you're single, look around, see who else is on that same path with you. You might just bump into somebody who has a similar purpose to you. And when you figure out your purpose, it makes finding the person a lot clearer. It makes it so much more clear once you identify your purpose. This was absolutely true for Dan and I. We met in Bible school and we both were very clear on purpose and calling. Like God has spoken to each of us individually as as young people and we met each other and we were on purpose. We're like running towards our purpose and not really looking to date especially Dan. He really wanted to get out of college <laughs> before dating. I don't know. He was ready for seminary. And that I changed that, obviously, for him. But we, we were on purpose. We were living on, in our calling. And then we ran into each other, and everything changed. And we just had so many conversations. Well, we were friends, and then it got a lot deeper while we were dating. Just like, what does calling and purpose look like for you? And what does it look like for me? And does it match? Like, like, can we do this purpose thing together? Are we going to be better together or our purpose is different? And it's very clarifying. And so we had so many conversations around this. And we, we talked like, what are you feeling called to? What am I feeling called to? And we dreamed about what that could look like in the future. And then in the end, we just agreed like our lives are going to be spent serving God. Like, together. And that was the thing that really just brought us together and unified us. And it's still our main message is still who we are today. It's what brought us here, um, serving God together. And so when you have a relationship that has clarity around the individual's purpose, it brings clarity to if that relationship is the right one. So vet your person and make sure values align and mission aligns. Like it's so important. I believe that healthy relationships can either propel you into your purpose or move you out of your purpose. And so if you meet someone who doesn't have the right, like similar purpose to you, it can actually bring you out of your purpose. And I believe that that's the fingerprints of the enemy. Like we underestimate how intimately involved Satan is coming against godly relationships. Like he doesn't want you to find someone who's on purpose with you because when two people who are on purpose get together, something really powerful happens. There's a movement. There's missional marriage there. And God and Satan doesn't want that, and God absolutely does. And so I think we underestimate the role he has to play and how important it is to have two individuals living on purpose in a godly union. Um, and if you're married, you're already married, I just want to encourage you, serve God together and figure out your purpose together. Like, what does it look like for our marriage to be missional, to have purpose and meaning outside of ourselves, bigger than ourselves? Serve God, love God together. I think we can miss it in our marriages when we make our purpose about anything other than that. Like when we make our purpose in our marriage about the kids or the career or finances or climbing the, the ladder or um, even just like pleasure or joy, we miss it when we minimize our purpose of our marriage to that and we don't make it about glorifying God. Um, and just test me on it. Like I just believe God will do an amazing thing when you're on purpose together. There's joy that comes, tension goes when you're like running together hand in hand. Um, a lot of beautiful things happen and so test me on it and see. Um, make the purpose of your relationship to glorify God and serve him, okay? So that's the first one. Before I find my purpose, I'm sorry, before I find my person, I need to find my purpose. And we're gonna look at the second one, Genesis 2, verse 16. We're continuing right on and it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, 
but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here's Adam, still before Eve has entered into the picture. And Adam's there, and he already has his purpose, right? And now God gives Adam some parameters. He says, you can eat from any of those trees, but not this one. Like these, not this. So here's what we learn. Number two, if you're taking notes, before I make a covenant, I need to make wise choices. <laughs> we need to make wise choices. Like here we have Adam in the garden. God's telling him, this is what to do. This is what not to do. I just believe that the choices you make today matter. Like no matter what relationship status you have, your choices matter. It's the little things, it's the little choices you make every day that really adds up to a life. And we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're able to make one of the most life-changing decisions of our life, which is who we're going to marry. And we're able to make that choice, but we can't make daily wise choices. Like, we need wisdom. We need to make wise choices before we make a covenant. And so we need to say that integrity matters on the small things. I think it's the small things every day that adds up. Like, we need to be people of integrity who are able to make wise choices on the small things so that we can make the wisest choice when it comes to who you're going to get in covenant with. And so we tell single people all the time, if you're looking for a spouse, if you're looking for that person, don't date for potential. Like, don't date for who they could be. Like, we're always full of faith. Like, look at who they could be. Like, Jesus is going to do so much through them. But, like, you need to just have a reality check. Like, don't do missionary dating. That's what we used to call it in the day. Do, you, do people still say that, missionary dating? Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, and I'm all for, like, people come to know Jesus, but not through a relationship, okay? Like, when so much is at stake, when covenant's at stake, okay? Don't do that. Um, Make wise choices. Look for patterns when you're dating. I just believe patterns reveal more than potential. Like what is their track record, right? What are their habits? What do they, where do they put their energy? Do they pray a lot or do they play a lot of Call of Duty? Like what, what are they doing with their time? Like make wise choices before you make covenant. Okay, it matters. Why do you think it matters? Well, we have to understand God cares about the little details of our life. He cares about... The little decisions. In Luke 16, 10, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Like we're believing for this much, right, in our relationships. Like we want it all. We want a beautiful marriage with kids, a house, the whole dream. We're believing God for that much, but, if, but we need to be trusted with a, a little. We need to be able to be faithful in the little things. And to some of you, I think God's saying, just be faithful with the little thing I've given you right now. Like, what does that look like in whatever season you're in just to be faithful with the little you have right now? Because I believe when you're faithful with the little, God will give you much and you'll be faithful with much. And so use wisdom before you make a covenant. Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So Adam was made good. Like Adam was good, here he's in the garden, he has his purpose, he's working it. And God was like, I wanna take what's already good here and make it better. Because that's really what marriage is. You're good on your own. Marriage is just a bonus, like it's a gift, right? And so God's like, I'm gonna make a helper. Well, here's the thing. God didn't create Eve to change Adam. God created Eve to help him. And so this is a, something you should write down. Marriage doesn't change you. Marriage just magnifies who you already are. 
right? Marriage doesn't change you. It magnifies you. So if you are entering into a marriage or you're going to go into marriage and you're healthy, marriage will make you healthier. If you're strong going into marriage, it's going to make, marriage will make you stronger. Being with your spouse will make you stronger. If you're wise now, you'll get wiser. You're better together. That's the beauty of the gift of marriage. But I think the same is true in the opposite way. Like if you're entering into marriage with someone and they're lazy now, they're going to get lazier. If they're sad now, they're going to get sadder. If they're broke now, they're going to get broker. Like marriage magnifies what's already in there, okay? And I just think that's why it's so important for us to use wisdom and look for pattern because marriage magnifies who you are. And so if you learn to make wise choices now, I believe you'll be able to thrive in marriage later. Use wisdom. So before I make a covenant, I'm going to make wise choices. Before, become the one who is making wise choices for those who are married in the room. Like we sometimes say, man, if my spouse would just make wise choices, <laughs> everything would get better. And we say like we can see so clearly the, clearly the mistakes that our, our spouse made, has made. But it starts with us. If we're going to become the one, it starts with us. Like what choices can you make now that are full of wisdom that will impact not only you, but your marriage and the people that your marriage affects? We need to make wise choices in your marriage and have the humility, which Pastor Dan talked about last week, to just cry out to God and say, if, if we want to see a change in our marriage, if we want to see hope and healing come, it starts with me. God, change me before you change my spouse. Like change me before you change anybody else so that I can become the one. And then we just watch God look, God, God work. And um, I believe that that process will not only impact you, but also impact your spouse. When your spouse sees the wisdom you have, the thing that you carry, it's very attractional and it can change a relationship. And so verse 19 says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, but the birds in the air, I'm sorry, the birds in the air, in the sky and all the wild animals, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So we're still here, still before Eve, and Adam has a job to name all the animals. Can you imagine that job? Like there are a lot of animals, a lot of birds and insects, like bluebird, blue jay, Redbird, like, wow. So he had a job. He was working it, okay? And here's a little Bible background. Do you guys see in verse 20, it, it keeps saying the man, the man, the man. And then at the end, it says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And that is the first time we see his name in scripture, Adam, right there. How cool is it that Adam is naming all the animals and in that moment, God gives him a name. Like, how beautiful is that? Adam's naming animals and God named him. Number three, before I seek out intimacy, I need to seek out my identity. Before I seek out intimacy, I need to seek out my identity. I think we as humans have a desire to be known and to know, to be seen and loved. And we're often looking for intimacy with people to help us lead into our identity. Like we look for identity in other people oftentimes through intimacy. Like who do you see me as? Because that will define me, right? We find our identity there. But 
Here we see in scripture, Adam has his name before he sought intimacy with anybody else. Like this is before Eve. As he's naming the animals, God named him and gave him his identity. Adam means man of the earth or of soil. And so God's speaking his identity over him. And I just want us to make sure we understand this. This means know who you are in Christ before you try to figure it out in a relationship. Before you get into a relationship and and bring intimacy into the equation. Like figure out who am I and what am I created for? Like what is my identity? There are a lot of people that don't know who they are and they're getting together with everybody else and now everybody's confused, like who am I? And I'm trying to lead you, you're trying to lead me and you miss it. And this, this will save you so much heartache if you're single. Figure out your identity first. Let God tell you who you are. If we find out our identity now um, and figure out who God has created us to be, um, it's a beautiful thing that happens. And I just wanna say this, like, Sometimes we glorify marriage in a way that is disproportionate to, I think, what God intended it. Like, marriage is absolutely a gift. It's one of the greatest gifts in my life. Like, I love, I love being married to you. You're, like, the best gift to me in the whole world. <laughs> I love you. We're going to co-teach next week, so I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to have some fun. Okay. Wow. I just got super distracted. Marriage is a gift. <laughs> but here's the deal. And I don't know who might need to hear this today. Maybe it's for one person, okay? But women... You do not need a man to be secure and confident. You don't need a man to be a secure and confident woman. Like, that is nowhere in scripture. Like, you don't need that. Men, you do not need a woman to become a successful man. Like, that's not scriptural. Like, we are made good on our own. Marriage is a bonus, okay? And it does glorify God, and it is a gift. And I am like, I love marriage so much. But here's the deal. You don't need another person to, to make you complete. Like, you are complete and beautiful and, and whole and good on your own, okay? And so marriage is a bonus, but figure out who you were created to be, like you as an individual, because it's going to bless you now, and also it would bless a future relationship if that's what God has for you. And so figure out who God created you to be. And so as we look, look, keep looking in Genesis 2.22, sometimes I think we think that Eve woke up and she's like, bam. I have a husband, like she was like sleeping and woke up next to her husband. But I think this is why reading scriptures is is important. It's important to read it slow, okay? So we see this in Genesis 2.22, and I never really noticed this until I was studying it this week, okay? So it says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So where was Eve before she was with Adam? She was with God. Before she found her person, she was with God, being formed by God. I don't know how long that took. God is, God is all powerful, supernatural. Like maybe it took a second or maybe it took a while, but she was with God before she was with her man. She was being formed by God, created by God. He was crafting her. And then he brought her to Adam. And so I just believe we need to be crafted by God before we begin a relationship. Like we need to seek intimacy. Before we seek intimacy, we need to seek identity. And so I just think a relationship can often cloud your identity. Like if you don't have a strong identity and you jump right into intimacy, um, I, it just things get cloudy. Like love does that, right? Love makes things blurry. Love is blind. <laughs> 
Love makes things definitely, definitely clouds your clarity. And so I think it's so important for you to have a strong identity. And when I say intimacy, I'm not only talking about sex, okay? Although that is something that would absolutely cloud your judgment if you're, if you're having sex before marriage. It will mess with you. And so that's why I just believe God's best is for us to wait till marriage. That's what the scripture teaches. And I think it's for, clear, it's for a lot of reasons, but also clarity of mind. Because when there's intimacy to that extent involved before marriage, it clouds our judgment. But when I'm saying intimacy or I, intimacy here, I just mean all of it. Like, intimacy in any extent, if we're entering into that before we have strong identity in Christ and who he's made us to be, it gets cloudy. And so have, in, have your identity strong before you enter into intimacy. All right, Genesis 2.21 says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. This is really beautiful. I love this phrase that God caused him to fall into a deep sleep. And I think sometimes when it comes to relationships, we can, we can work so hard to find the thing that we're looking for, to find the one, right? Work it, run after it, run, run, run. And, and here's the thing that happened for Adam before he found his person is he rested. And like, how beautiful is that? And that's my fourth point. Before I pursue a relationship, I pursue rest. And maybe this is just for a few of you. This is the thing. This is the point for you that you need to hear. Like, our culture says, work the numbers. Get it. Like, date around. Go on dating apps. Don't go on dating apps. Like, right, there's so many messages like, time is short. Work, work, work. Run, run, run. Date, 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 right? But here's the deal. Before God brought Adam the girl, God said, rest. Rest. And for some of you, I think maybe you just need to rest. Allow God to work on your behalf. Something happens when we rest, when God starts to move. It's throughout scripture. When we rest, God works. He's always moving on our behalf, always going ahead of us. And so you might have just been in a relationship and you're wanting to enter into another relationship, or maybe you've been single for a long time and you feel that like urgency, like I need this, I, time is running out. Like what would it look like for you to just rest? And say, God, I trust you in the middle. I trust you in the waiting. I'm, I'm going to rest and, and see what you do in the middle of that. And while I'm resting, I'm just believing, God, you're working on my behalf. You're doing what only you can do. David said it this way in Psalm 62, 5. He says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. My soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Man, what would it look like if that's, that was our posture in our relationships or our lack of relationship, right? Like, I'm gonna find rest for my soul and my hope will be in him. Our hope comes not from the relationship, not from finding the one, but from rest in God. And so that's my encouragement for you. Trust God with all your hopes and dreams for your future. Trust God with the much that you're hoping for. And remind yourself, until I'm satisfied in God, I'll never find true satisfaction in anything else. Rest in him. How do I become the one? I find satisfaction in God. And listen, I know that there's pain here. And when, when we talk about relationships, I'm very aware that there's pain points for all of us, past, present, and pain when we think about the future, okay? 
That's just reality. And I am encouraged by God to encourage you to rest in him and accept the hope that he freely, freely offers because of who he is, because he is faithful, because he cares more about you than you can even imagine, because he loves you deeply and intimately. We can trust him with the desires of our heart, the desires for our marriage, what we want it to be, the desires for our future relationship. We can trust him in this area. We can have hope for our future because of who he is, because he's a faithful God who wants to give us rest and who wants to help us on the journey in our relationships. We've just, we're in this series because I just believe that if we're gonna be people of faith, like we, we can need to be people who have healthy, thriving relationships. Our relationships are a testament to the world around us. And I believe that God wants to do something through our marriages and through our relationships. I want our church to be full of so many missional marriages, missional, not missionary, not missionary dating, Please don't do that. Missional marriages where we're like, hey, I'm on mission with my spouse. I'm on mission as an individual to seek after God, to pursue him with all that I have, to serve him, to glorify him, to love him. Like that's what I'm created for. It will change everything. And so I just want us to have a moment of surrender right now. We're gonna do something just a little bit different. I'm gonna ask you all just to stand in this moment. Will you all stand? And I just believe we're all on a different path. We're in a different spot in this journey. Relationships, when I say that, it brings up all kinds of things. And I believe today we all have something that we need to, to surrender. We need to surrender to God and say, God, you just fix me before you fix anyone else. Like if I'm gonna become the one, God, do it in me first. And so as a sign of surrender, would you just hold out your hands like this? And you know between you and God what you need to surrender. But I just believe God's calling us to surrender to a greater amount. Surrender the hope and dream for the future relationship, for that future marriage. Surrender the desires of your heart for your current marriage. God, I wish it was more. I wish we were more connected, God. I wish our marriage was different. I wish it wasn't a pain point. Surrender it to God. Or maybe there's much you're hoping for. Your marriage is beautiful and there's still dreams in your heart for your marriage. Surrender it over. Maybe you've been divorced or widowed and there's pain in your past when we talk about relationships. Surrender to him. You can trust him with the desires of your heart and you can trust him with your own heart. He is trustworthy. He is a trustworthy God. Surrender it to him. Commit in this moment to becoming the one. God, help me become the person I'm supposed to be. God, right now I pray that you would help us, God, as individuals and as those in marriages, God. Help us to become the one. God, help us to work on ourselves first. God, do it in us as individuals before you do it in anybody else. God, change us from the inside out. Would we become healthy and thriving in our relationships and as individuals. God, I believe that there's healing for those in this room who need it. There's hope for those in this room who can't see the future. God, I believe that you're singing a new song over us, that you're gonna say, you know, the marriage that you have is beautiful, but I have more for you in the future. I have more for you. God, I pray for those who are single, who are longing for that, that spouse, the one God. I pray that you would encourage them to lift their head up, to keep following after you, to discover their purpose, to make wise choices, to discover identity and to rest in you, God, would they rest? Would there be less striving, God? Would there just be ease? Remembering dating isn't a place we sit. It's a season we're going through. And so God, you're in us and with us. 
You're with us in every season. So would you remind us that today, God? We trust you. We surrender once again to you, Lord. And I, I just want to encourage, if there's anybody in the room today, all eyes closed still, if there's anybody in the room today that's like, man, I do want, I want a relationship that glorifies you. I want it to change, but I just don't know where to start. And I don't know how to rest in God because I don't have a relationship with God. Like, what does that look like? And maybe you're in the room today and you have never begun a relationship with God before. I just want to extend the invitation for you to do that today. Jesus is here and he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he went all the way to earth from heaven to die as a man. And he was, he was crucified for you and for me and he was dead. And on the third day he rose again, he conquered the grave. And entering into a relationship is as easy as just admitting that you've sinned and that there's a past that you, that you can't pay for apart from Jesus because Jesus came all the way to pay for our sins. So you admit, God, I am a sinner. I have regret. I have shame. I have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so I want to encourage you right now, if that's you, I just pray with me. You admit that you're a sinner and then you just choose, God, I'm going to live for you now. My relationships are going to be different. My life is going to be different. I'm going to commit to following after you, to pursuing you, to discovering my purpose in you, to using wisdom that's only from you. And God, you're gonna speak identity over these individuals. And so if that's you in the room and you're like, I'm ready to start a relationship with Jesus, will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you're in the room and that you loved us so much that you sent your son all this way to die a death we could not die, to pay for the sins that we could not pay for. And you did it all for us on the cross. And so God, right now, we just pray for the individuals that are ready to enter into a relationship with you the most important relationship of their life. God, we admit that we're sinners in need of a savior. We confess our sin to you. And thank you, God, that you forgive us fully. And now, God, we choose to live for you all the days of our life, to follow after you from this day forward. I thank you, God, that you'll speak new identity and a new name over us when we enter into the family of God. And so we commit our lives to you, and we choose from this day forward to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com. We hope you have a great week.